This is Forbes Under 30 on Podcast One. And I'm your host, Steve Goldblum. On this show, we talk to young innovators, disruptors, and entrepreneurs. Today, I'm speaking with Andrew Au. He's the co-founder and president of Intercept Group, a Gen Y and Z marketing agency. Al was on the Forbes Under 30 list in 2016. At the time, his company was valued at $10 million. Andrew, thank you for being here. Are you in Toronto right now? Yeah, I'm in Toronto right now. So I float between the, uh, the Toronto and the Boston office. Okay, and where are you from? I'm originally from Toronto. Yeah, yeah, I grew up in Toronto. I, I, I grew up in Toronto. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I'm originally from Nova Scotia, but I grew up in Toronto. Oh, very cool. Very cool. There you go. Who who knew? Who yeah. knew? Yeah. How, how long did you spend in Toronto? A, a, a long time. I left uh, for university when I was 18, and okay. I went back to Nova Scotia, and then I went to the States. Oh, okay, cool. So let's get into – I think – I think you're kind of a genius for getting into this business <laughs> because when it comes to marketing and young people, this is what everyone's talking about. And, and there's a lot of people who really don't know what they're talking about and they're looking for agencies and, and, and you're, you've swooped in to this field and it looks like you've been very successful. So we'll just start by telling us about the business and, and uh, where the idea came from. Yeah, sure. So – so as an agency, we specialize in millennials, understanding millennials and helping brands reach them. So, um, you know, we started out 10 years ago as a as a publication, actually. So we, we started an on-campus publication um, and we grew that very quickly to about half a million circa a year. Um, and then the advertisers in the magazine, you know, kind of to your point is like, well, this audience is so important to us. Can you can you help us understand them a little bit better? And so, so that bred this need for research, and then it became experiential, and then it became digital, um, and then it kind of we kind of grew organically over ten years. So we're a full service shop, and we, we specialize in millennials. Well, <laughs> when people talk about millennials, they uh, people make all sorts of assumptions. Mm, so, what yes. are some common assumptions that people are coming to the table? Oh, I get lots of these. Um, so, millennials are lazy, entitled, um, they are cash-strapped, uh, you know, I, I probably lazy and entitled would be probably the, the most popular, um, you know, complaints that we get. They're lazy and entitled. How do we reach them? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then uh, – How it, do we make them because, care? Yeah, we, we, we see that though is like it, it's, it's so misconstrued, you know, and that, that's a big part of what we do is just helping brands understand what are the core values for the audience and then how do you leverage that, right? Um, I, think, I think every brand, I mean, no matter what business you're in, you are in the business of winning, you know, Gen Y or millennials as well as Gen Z. You look at the, the stats alone, those two generations, they're over 50% of the US population. So, doesn't matter what business you're in. You've got to find a way to understand and win them. So, what are the what are the the, the the what does the conversation look like when people come to the table? What do they say to you? We, we need to reach millennials. We need to reach a younger audience. Can you help yeah, us? Yeah, exactly. It's how do you reach that younger audience and then help us understand what what do they care about? You know, what what does success look like to them? And, and it's, it is different than the previous generations. I mean, at the core of any good audience marketing strategy, it's you've got to appeal to the values of the audience, right? So you look at baby boomers, that was about success was about stability. You know, you look at Gen X, it was the young and rich. And this Y and Z audience, success is about pleasure. 
you know, you, we, we test them on like lifestyle values. It's open-ended questions. We've got one of the largest research properties in North America for this audience. And we ask them, what do you care about? What is your number one lifestyle value? And above anything, everything else, it's travel. Like outside of becoming a millionaire or, um, you know, hanging out with friends or owning fancy cars or whatever it is, it travels the number one thing for this audience. It's, it's success is about pleasure for them. So travel, pleasure, self-actualization, these are things that are high up on the list for millennials. This is what, you, this is what you're seeing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, we actually look at, um, you know, outside of travel, we, we look at Gen Z, which is, which is that sort of 18 and under today. Um, after travel, they're thinking about completing their bucket list. And <laughs> you think, you they, think give me an I example mean, of that. No, I, I, I believe that. that. What is yeah. on the 13-year-old's bucket list? Yeah, so so the the number one thing on that list, so so travels up there. You've got extreme adventure like the skydiving, but three, four, and five for this audience, and it's the same for millennials or Gen Y. It's um, having kids, owning a home, and getting married, which is which is very weird to think about that it because it feels very, very traditional. traditional things, yeah, right. And so, so you know, what a lot of people think, they're so different. They, they, they don't want those things. It's not about that. It's, it's just on their own timeline. They still want those things, but it's on their own timeline. They don't want to be beholden to anyone when they, the way they do things. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. But, but the other way to look at this, too, is that, well, well, since when are those things bucket list items? Like, do you, you know, you almost think like you see some of the other bucket lists and you don't see that on there because for, from other generations because it's assumed that you're going to do that, you know. So this has also become a bit of an aspirational thing for, for the audience. Now, why is that because it's become harder to do? The people are getting married later in life. It's more expensive to own a home. This might be Absolutely. the first generation that's not as successful as their parents. Are those the reasons? Yeah, that's the, those, those are a lot of the core reasons. Yeah, yeah what we're finding. I mean, I, I think another, another point of difference for, for them too, and it speaks to this, uh, you know, freedom and, 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 uh, of lifestyle is that we're also seeing they're very entrepreneurial. I mean, over half of millennials, um, or Gen Y that are employed have a side hustle. They're doing something else. On a the side, side hustle. Yeah. So they're owning a business on the side. They're doing a part-time job. They're, they're, a lot of them are starting businesses. And so we see them as they're one of the most entrepreneurial generations that, that we've seen. Is this because their imagination knows no bounds? Like this is the first generation wise, the first generation to grow up that knows no world without technology. Is that true? It is. It is. I mean, they, they've certainly grown up digital, right? But I think it's, it's you know, they've been told to that – you know, there are no limits and that, you know, you can, you can create change. And I think that they see, um, they, they, they see that people have created businesses, social businesses that have been able to create impact in the world. So they see it's possible. It becomes, it becomes more attainable, right? Is it more attainable though? I mean, have you realized that, that, that this sort of sense of no. you can do <laughs> So explain that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't think so. I mean, you know, it's it's just it's just we we hear a lot of these stories and um, these success stories, and it just it just feels more attainable. Like for example, Gen Z, you look at their extended bucket list, right? So you start to get in like number twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven. 
becoming a YouTube star is on that list. And I mean, you, you know, you look at your odds of that, right? Your your odds are better of being hit by lightning. But it just feels more attainable because we hear these great stories and we fall in love with these with these wonderful success stories. And people think, well, that looks fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and uh, yeah, it's it's just it's a different climate. What type of research are you doing uh, to get this information? What does that process look like for you? Yeah, so we run a number of research properties. Um, one of them is a syndicated one that we run every year called POMI. Uh, it's an acronym for Point of Market Entry. And so that's a, that's a quant study that we run every year. It's about 3,000 people across North America that uh, complete the survey. Um, but also we do every quarter we've got focus group series um, across North America that we run and, you know, outside of the, the brand commission stuff. So it's a, it's a combination of the quantitative stuff as well as the qualitative. I want to hit this home again. Just run through that bucket list for me one more time. If people want to, you're saying people want to own, they want to own homes, they want to have families, they want to do all these things, but they need to do it on their own terms. What else is on the list? A happy life is a big one. Living a fulfilled, happy life, being able to give back uh, is, is another one that's on that list. Um, you know, stable relationships. That, that's tied for both audiences at, at 18 there. And like I said, the, the becoming a YouTube star for Gen Z that appears on that list, but it doesn't appear on the millennial list. So when you deal with clients, how do they adapt their approach based on what you're saying? So I, I think, you know, the, one of the, the things that hasn't changed about marketing is that content is is still king. And, you know, the audience, both audiences, both generations, they see through BS really fast, right? And so based on our insights and our best practices, what we say when we, when we think about storytelling and we think about influencers, we say, forget the influencer. It's not about the person that, you know, has got 10 million followers that may use your brand today and use a competitor brand tomorrow. What, what we guide them along the way is finding the right stories. What are the right stories that light up your product? The real stories of people that use your product, that love your product. Find those stories and then use your dollars to amplify the stories. They don't necessarily need to be a massive influencer with you know, 10, 20 million followers for that to be a great marketing campaign. So that's one of the fundamental differences. You know, I think, I think another one, too, is, is when you think about you know, millennials in particular, you know, that 19 to 36, they're not all the same, right? So when we look at our survey, our POMI study, there, there, there are different clusters of respondents. So we see those that are like really into the explorers, those that are like really into making change in the world, um, those that are about innovation. We see like traditionalists and we look at how do you segment your marketing against those type of verticals. Maybe you're going, your product fits best with the innovators. Let's craft a story about that. Let's not just do a blanket strategy for millennials. Well, That'd be another thing too. You see this in the, in the branding and the storytelling and commercials. I think there's been a shift. It's now there's more snarkiness and there's more irony and there's more self-awareness in the commercials you even see targeting that uh, demographic. Hey, yeah. Is that something that you recommend to your clients? You mean just bringing out a um, sort of an additional, like like more of an edge to the content? I'll sometimes go on YouTube and look for something, like an, uh, something out of the 80s and the 90s. And it's clearly a bootlegged piece of content that has commercials from the 80s and the 90s. Mm-hmm. And they're so earnest. And mm-hmm. when you look at commercials now and branding now, there's this like 
there's this wink to the audience that we're all in on the joke mm-hmm. and this self-awareness that didn't seem to exist before. Yeah, uh, it's you know sort of I mean? this – yeah, I agree. It's like this quirky, smart humor. You know, I think a lot of brands are leveraging pop culture within the content um, to really drive home the, the – you know, drive home their point, drive home being relevant. I think that's another thing is that marketers have realized, look, we're not just creating, we're not competing against other marketing campaigns for attention. You're competing against pop culture, right? You're competing against all these trending articles that are, that are unbranded. You know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta earn, uh, you gotta break through. I'd love to get your definition of Generation Z because what I know is, I mean, it's it's the post-millennial generation born in the late 90s, early 2000s. Never known a time without the internet. Yes, they're uh, they're fascinating. I mean, I've got I've got two kids that are both part of that generation. My daughter's six, and she thinks or she expects that every screen she walks by is a touch screen, and when it's not, she thinks it's broken. Right? <laughs> it's this expectation that you know everything is touched. Um, I think there's going to be a big focus on personalized experiences. Um, brand should know exactly who you are. So the expectation is just so much higher. And, and you know, when we look at our data, because they're, they're part of our research property, we see they consume content a lot faster than Gen Y. They spend more time on social channels. They can whip through content a lot faster. It, it's just fascinating to see the speed at which they operate. Do you feel that you're constantly learning at home with your kids? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, when, when you've got a, a three-year-old, even my three-year-old son that says uh, he wants to watch YouTube uh, or, or play with a Surface or play with an iPad, like he, they, they know the product names. It's crazy. It's crazy. But yeah, you're always, you're always, I'm always asking them like, okay, well, what other videos are you watching? You know, well, I watch are... a lot of egg videos with my <laughs> six-year-old. So <laughs> that's good research. That's good, yeah, but, but you know, listen, you're, you're, you're burning the candle at both ends. You've Absolutely. said that the reason why a lot of brands are, are targeting them is because millennials are at a point of market entry for their industries. What, what do you mean by that? So when you think of the, the age group, right? So you're thinking 19 to 36 for millennials. A lot of the, the major milestones in your life are going to – they're really concentrated in that period. You know, you're moving out. You're establishing a career. You might be starting a family. You're starting to make these big purchases. So in a lot of ways, they are a point of market entry. You know, you think auto. You think CPG. You think, you know, even yeah, quick serve restaurants. A lot of them are trying to – establish the their their patterns their behavioral patterns now especially financial right we know that the bank that you you have coming out of college that's that same bank you're going to stick with for the rest of your life so so a lot of these major sectors are looking at them they are the point of entry based on just data you know you talk about some of your clients like the the, the legacy agency model um mm, so is broken. a thing of the past yeah you've talked so, why, why is that so, so here's the thing. I mean, every marketer has this is is seeing downward pressure. Oh, sorry. Every company is seeing downward pressure on margin, right? Everyone's got to get tighter. Everyone's got to get more creative in terms of getting bang for bucks. So, marketing naturally is getting the squeeze. Um, so, I think that the the traditional agency model that's built on let's get a massive retainer, let's float the agency. You know, you got standard MRR that's driving the agency and stability and growth. 
But now marketers need to be much more creative, much more nimble. So it's it's we see this uprise of these small, medium-sized shops that can offer marketing as a service. That's ultimately what we do here at Intercept is, is we offer marketing as a service just like software is as a, as a service or disaster recovery as a service. Um, it's really about scalable uh, scaling with your clients' needs. That's what I think the future agency model is. And you've also said that, that companies have to accept brand reinvention. I, absolutely. I, that- I, Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on everything you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals to help you save during our spring Black Friday sale, like Bonnie Vegetable and Herb Plants, four for $10. And for a clean-looking landscape, pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch for just $10. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417, not valid on Alaska or Hawaii. Bonnie offer valid on 19-ounce pots. See store for details, U.S. only. I think the brands that are going to be around um, in the next 10 years, 15 years, are the brands that are realizing they got to reinvent themselves. Because... You look at all the digital disruption around you, right? I mean, you look look at the cab industry, a hundred year old industry, you know, you know, taken out essentially with with one company. Every brand, even technology brands, need to reinvent themselves. You know, the expectations are a lot higher with well, this like, audience. Like I said, Andrew, I think you've cornered a market because not only <laughs> are you now um, the the entry point for the most coveted demographic. But you're also saying you have to do everything differently. Uh, so they kind of – do they do everything you say? Or are you getting some pushback or is it all green lights for you? You know, it, naturally, you're, you're, you, with change, you're going to get pushback. And I think that there's a lot of legacy processes in place that, that prohibit or, or slow change. But I think you know, we, we're at a point where we can really choose the right brands that share our vision. Right. Because that's where I think we can really do the best work. So we really focus on brands that understand that they need to reinvent under they 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 they, they share that innovation focus. And um, that's where we really focus on. But uh, but absolutely, you know, any change is 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 uh, uncomfortable. By the way, I just heard you say process and I say process and you've just tapped into my soul. So thank you for, uh, <laughs> for making me feel at home. Um, when you're marketing for an older demographic with the baby boomers, are, are people still uh, targeting those groups? And if so, will your tactics work or uh, does it not cross over? You know, I, I think there's a lot of autopilot with, with the baby boomers in terms of brand strategy. I think that uh, people, you know, you got companies that are even commercially focused, 80% of their business being commercial focused. Millennials are their number one strategy i think for the other generations there's a bit of autopilot a bit of adapt and throw it in the market but i see a lot of brands lead with millennial strategy i mean almost everything is digital right in terms of of marketing tactics right can you tell us uh, there's some campaigns that you're particularly excited about uh, that that you've worked on yeah, I mean, you know, one for for Microsoft, it's called My Twenty Four Hours, and and for them, it was you, we we talk about brand reinvention. How do you reinvent your brand? That's you know a forty year old brand that's that everybody is you know set the benchmark for technology, but you've got a lot of players now that have come up and have done a good job at competing. So for them, you know, we took an unconventional approach of finding and sniffing out the people that are using their products and that just have amazing stories. So 
so this was a storyteller campaign that did not use an influencer strategy at all. We didn't look for people that had followings. We just like listened online and we found these amazing, amazing stories of people that are doing great things. And the whole theme of the campaign is this, you know, you've got 24 hours in a day, maximize every hour to achieve more, to, to, to fulfill your life. And so, you know, we, we talked to, uh, for example, Hannah Alper, who's a 13-year-old uh, activist. And she, she, you know, interviews heads of state. She's interviewed uh, Malala as, uh, uh, also. And she talks about um, child labor. She talks about anti-bullying. And we talk about how she uses Microsoft technology to, to, for, to, to power her journey. Um, you know, we talk about like alternative, uh, education teachers who are keeping, you know, kids off the streets in a lot of ways and how they use, uh, like their, their, their surface book to be able to sketch out designs and, and transfer those designs and produce skateboards. And they have, they, they learn the, the education curriculum through designing, producing and, and marketing skateboards. It's like these amazing stories. So, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's online, um. Uh, on uh, on the Microsoft uh, website, it's called My Twenty Four Hours. That that's one that that I particularly connected with, and I, I really enjoyed being part of that. Well, well, picking up on on those influencers, how important is it for you and your strategy to attach yourself to to ambassadors who have followings? And it's there's an irony in that, and too, then some of the YouTube stars of today, like they build this brand of independence and authenticity, and then mm-hmm. there's also this desire for companies and marketers to attach themselves to those brands, uh, yeah. having them push something that was sort of not what made them famous or or uh, popular. So yeah. does that work? Does it work to to work with influencers or, or the best ways to work with them? Yeah, or do you see a dilemma in that? I do, I do, because I think um, I think that a lot of the uh, the let's call them the YouTube stars that just started for fun and and now see it's like oh wow I can I can monetize this. I think a lot of them have lost credibility uh, because they've kind of sold themselves out, and and I think that the the smart ones. Um, or the ones that'll be around for the next five, ten years are the ones that they 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 pick brands that they actually use a and b they make it contextual to their content. Um, I think I see a lot of like un like non contextual pairing between influencer and brands, and I think that those are the ones that that fail really fast. Um, but but you know, like I said, the the influencer landscape is changing. It's it's not really about who's got the most followers these days. It's like who's got the best story because, you know, celebrity marketing ranks the lowest with this audience in terms of influence on purchase. Mm. And when they define how they define celebrity, online influencers, YouTube stars, they fall into that category. You know, so so I think that uh, again, it's all about content, and I think that that hasn't changed. Well, one question for you. You know, we're, we're hearing that millennials are having less sex than previous generations, and my question <laughs> is: Is that true? And does it inform the way you market? Well, that's a, that's a great question. Um, you know what? Maybe they're too busy with the side hustle. That's there's, right. There's, there's, not, there's enough, not enough. Not enough hustle. Time. Too much side. <laughs> yep. They're hustling. They're hustling. <laughs> that's, that's a good question. I've never been asked that question before. You know, I uh, maybe a good addition to uh, the uh, the this year's Pomi. Maybe a good addition to that. We can okay. do a, we can do a part two. But is the sex sells model that you saw in catch up commercials and elsewhere through the eighties and the nineties is that a thing of the past? 
Is that something that you don't? Uh, yeah, that don't I, I, I think as it much? is. I mean, because look, I, it, it's. Uh, I think the humor or, or content now is more about the quirky humor. I think that stuff is, is so the is inability good. to have sex is, is almost more attractive and relatable <laughs> yes, than exactly. having sex. Well, listen, you're, that that also speaks to my soul. I understand that. Um, <laughs> let's see. I, I'm wondering if there's any difference in your audience or your clients with uh, you know in Toronto versus Boston. Are you noticing any uh, any differences between uh, between Canada and the U.S. You know what? Uh, not a whole lot. I think everybody's got the the same, you know, the same challenges of, of understanding the, the audiences. I mean, they're they're a lot more similar than than, than we think. Um, but there's nothing that, you know, I think maybe one of the big things is look. Obviously, there's there's a lot more, um, you know, regionality breakdown in terms of just executional stuff. Uh, but strategically no i mean look i'll give you an example okay so we asked the audience both in u.s and canada who would you want to have coffee with anybody in the world who do you think it was any guesses um who they want to have coffee with they're uh i bet it's somebody that we don't know like it's it's um it's their friends it's it's the people they go to school with so for both audiences by a landslide it was obama Okay. Okay. North and South. That's my second border. guess. Right. <laughs> so 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 it's it, culturally, you know, we see a lot of similarities, and, and same thing in terms of the lifestyle value questions. You know, travels number one in terms of you know, perf- like what's your what's your aspirational work? Like, what do you want to do uh, ultimately for work? It's being able to work on their own. You know, so we see a lot of culturally similar um, answers. Well, listen, that nice. answer. Um, what does that look like now in 2017 with the new commander in chief? I, I can't imagine. Very I also don't want to assume that people just don't want to have coffee or, or a beer with, with <laughs> President Trump. So we we well we actually did the study of that last year, right around the uh, the time of the election, and mm-hmm. it, it showed that millennial they, they were they were almost twice as likely to vote for Hillary. That's that. That was, uh, I believe, that was back in June. Though, I mean, again, lots of things changed. But as of June last year, uh, you know, Hillary had the the upper advantage. Well, that leads to one of the things I think you mentioned at the top, like these assumptions that people make about millennials is they have a huge imagination, they have a bucket list, and they mm-hmm. want to do things in their own terms. But there is this sense of apathy that's also attached uh, to them. Are you noticing any of that and, 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 a, and a kind of a lack of uh, agency when it comes to getting involved in politics and getting involved in, uh, in events that you know, re- do require yeah. boots on the ground? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we talk voter apathy. I mean, we work with different election groups um, you know, across, uh, across North America, and it's uh, – you know, we are st- – Look, the audience, the, the the voter turnout rates aren't 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 as high as as I think they'd like. So I think we are seeing apathy with that. But I think a lot of it has to do with the the content itself. I mean, it's just it's becoming more of a you know a t- a, like a TV show versus you know versus real content. I think that they want to talk about. So I think they're well, I'm, we're seeing a disen they're disengaging with with the topics. It's just not relevant for them. Well, and, and now just. Going back to your company, how many how many employees do you have? 
So we're about 50 people uh, across the two offices. We've got uh, an extended field network of about 2,500. But yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're a mid-size uh, grown shop. And what has the growth been like? When did you start? Where uh, has, it, yeah, has it been so fairly, we, fairly fast? We started 10 years ago um, originally as a publishing company. And then about probably five years into the business, we, we switched to a full-blown agency model. Um, so we've been seeing, you know, we've been seeing double digit growth for the past few years. Um, uh, you know, we've been, we've been lucky enough, um, to work with some great clients and, uh, find some good matches that way, you know? So we you know we've been, we've been fortunate. Do you, when you, when you find new clients, what's your best strategy? I mean, is it, uh, yeah, other than doing interviews good. and things like this, are you, do you go to, um, are you, are you presenting a lot of conferences? Are you networking? Yeah. What, what is your move? Yeah, you know, I think I think for us, it's uh, you know, a number of years ago, we we decided to build an in-house research team, and we're we're not a research shop. That's not our our, our core, but we decided to build an in-house research team, and I think that that shapes a lot of our conversations as it comes from insights, not just like, hey, I think this is a great idea. Like we come at it with 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 a data perspective plus that gut feeling of, I think this is a great idea. So for us, I think the the approach is like, you got to demonstrate value because right out of the gate, everything's been commoditized, right? So before you ask for something from, from a brand or from a client, you better be ready to show them something of value that's going to impress them. So that's kind of our, our motto. But you see, you see the, uh, the interest in your company, what you do, what are some of the challenges that you're bumping up against, uh, yeah. What are some of the things that are getting in the way? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, you know, marketing automation is is uh, is a tool that we use that that uses AI and machine learning to help us get more targeted. But I think a lot of brands are saying, "Well, hey, I mean, with with this great AI tool, maybe I could just take the marketing in house." What do we right? need you? Exactly yeah. right. So if like if it's a pure data play, then like why do I need you? So so that that's one that I think you know every like I talked about digital disruption before. Marketing, advertising, marketing is not insulated from that whatsoever. So and I in fact, marketing natural. budgets can be the first to go. Sometimes when, when oh, people yeah. start downsizing, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I think then, you know, the, the, where does the opportunity, where is the opportunity? You know, it is about marketing as a service. You need to be able to build a shop that can scale with your customers' needs that don't rely on these massive retainers. Um, because once you do that, you know, you, you, you know, you can, you're, you're in over your head pretty quickly, right? Um, if you just purely build up on that, on that retainer model, you lose a couple of retainers, then what? Well, what's where? Where do we go from here, uh, Andrew? What's the next? What's the yeah. next step? What, what, what when you look at the future and you think about your kids and the kind of world that they'll be living in and being marketed to? What do you think about? So I, I it's it's funny, you know. I think about this a lot. I I, I think it's like, uh, especially with kids, I think where people can should focus on is really is coding. You know, is is and not necessarily to become a coder, but just to understand, you know, the computational thinking and and the 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 problem solving and how things are being programmed. I think that's really going to be the new language. That is the new language of the 21st century. So, the opportunity is then: how do you work with uh, AI? How do you work with robotics um, to to 
achieve things. I think ultimately that's that's where it's going to be. And I think that for marketing, it's the same way. How are we going to work with AI uh, in a way that we use that tool um, in a smart way? Um, but you know, there's still a, there's still creativity that's needed, um, especially within marketing, and that's uh, that's something that AI hasn't been able to fill yet. So I think that's kind of the, the the future for us. And I think again for the kids. I would I would recommend that they that they start coding schools. You can you can start when you're three or four. There's free coding uh, tutorials. Do you online. have your kids in, in, enlisted? At the, I do. I have both at coding them. schools. My, really? Yeah, my six year old and my three year old are both uh, are both doing coding uh, coding camps. Listen, uh, I'm I may have to call social services if, you, if you're having them <laughs> code for for your site. Yeah, it's. Uh, we don't have. It's, you don't no, have to answer cool. that question if you don't they, want. They, they use. Uh, they use. They use um, fun cartoon visuals and, and and stuff. It's fun. That's great. Well, I have a question. What are what are yeah. questions that you've asked millennials and Gen Zers uh, where you've been really surprised of of by their answer? You know, I. I look at last year's study. the 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 bucket list thing was a new thing that we added, and I think the uh, the the having kids, owning a home, and um, getting married, being top five on the bucket list, that surprised us. I mean, you know, there's there's this. Yes, we 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 knew that there's still this element of traditionalists, and they still want to have these things, but later in life. But to see that so high on the bucket list, that was surprising. Are they going to be uh, able to buy homes? <laughs> What's that? Will they be able to buy home? Are, the, are these well, things a reality? I, you know, I and and um, it's be, it's become aspirational. I think, especially the home ownership piece, it's 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 out of reach, especially in Toronto. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, Toronto, New York, Boston. I mean, I think that that real estate's been is become out of reach. But you know, this audience is also about the sharing economy and you know access versus ownership. So it'll be really interesting to see. Over the next ten years, how the home buying as well as you know auto is another thing that we're watching very closely. Um, what the purchasing trend's going to be? All right. Well, listen, Andrew, we will be uh, we will be looking at you. We will be watching your service. We will be uh, we will be coming back and making sure your kids aren't coding too much, <laughs> and hopefully that they're still drawing pictures by hand. Um, but uh, it's been great to talk to you and uh, really, really interesting stuff. Yeah, no, I enjoyed talking to you as well. Thanks for having me on. And uh, uh, just, yeah, no, one last story is funny. My, uh, uh, you talk about painting pictures. My daughter was, was uh, drawing something. I said, what are you drawing? She said, oh, I'm drawing an app. I said, oh, right, of course you are. Of course, <laughs> of course. Listen, you may have competition. I know, right? At, at work and at home. <laughs> They're not going to make it easy for you. Yeah, yeah, it's true. That's true. Uh, but you should ask her what her aspirations are. I'm interested if she wants to buy a home as well. Let's yeah. get that app off the ground. Yeah, we'll see if it's top five. <laughs> yeah. All right. Best of luck right. with everything, and thank you. Thanks, Steve. That's it for this episode of Forbes Under 30. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to reach out to us with a comment or question, please do so at under30, that's the number 30, at podcastone.com.
Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on everything you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals to help you save during our spring Black Friday sale, like Bonnie Vegetable and Herb Plants, four for $10. And for a clean-looking landscape, pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch for just $10. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417, not valid on Alaska or Hawaii. Bonnie offer valid on 19-ounce pots. See store for details, U.S. only. At the border, I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. At the roundtable discussion today in San Antonio, Texas, President Trump heard something he said he never heard before about life along the border. Many people are dying, and the danger of living here, unless you know exactly what you're doing, is tremendous. This is Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Where are the people in Washington to stand up for these children, these women, these senior citizens? Where are they? Bring them down. Mr. President, let the Democrats come down to Brooks County. Let them come to any of these ranches. Let them see these bodies. Let them see the skeletons. We have the photographs. Attorney General William Barr says he thinks spying did occur on Donald Trump's presidential campaign, suggesting the origins of the Russia investigation may have been mishandled. Scientists released the first image ever made of a black hole, revealing a fiery ring of gravity-twisted light swirling around the edge of the abyss. One scientist said science fiction has become science fact. I'm Ed Donahue.